The scripture reading this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 21 through 25. That's page number 925 in your pew Bible. Luke 15, 21 through 25. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. gathered here this morning to worship God. There are over six Greek words that are used to translate the word worship in English. And a general summary of what worship is, it's the humbling ourselves before God as we consider how great and how awesome He is and expressing our humility to Him. God has encouraged us on the first day of the week to assemble together as His children and worship Him. He's given us some acts of worship, a pattern to follow that He intends to have us to follow to worship Him. These acts are intended to humble us, but also are intended to give us an avenue through which we can express our humility to God. We come to a part of our worship that gives us an opportunity to humble ourselves before God. One of the greatest acts of humility is just to be quiet and to listen to somebody. One of the greatest ways to show respect to anybody is to to listen to them. You know, if somebody is saying something to you and you're not willing to listen to them and your mind's somewhere else, that's not a very respectful thing. And so it is with God. God wants us to show Him respect. He wants us to honor Him by just being quiet and listening to Him. This morning, if I do my job the way that I should, you will hear the words of God. We're truly here to glorify Him and to honor Him. All of us are here for just a a very brief time. One of the greatest privileges that God gives to us as He expresses His love to us is the privilege of relationships. God is a loving God. He created us to love us. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. You know, I used to think that God created me to serve Him and to glorify Him, but I don't agree with that anymore. God doesn't need me to serve Him. He doesn't need me to glorify Him. 
God created me to love me. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. The meaning and purpose of our life is just simply to let God love us. If you don't do that, you're not going to have a very successful life. You're not going to have a a fulfilling life. You're going to feel like something's missing, and you're always going to be wondering, what am I supposed to be doing to, to feel fulfilled and content? Well, God created you to love you. Every day should be a day that we say, wow, this is another day that God expresses His love to me. And it's very important for us to take time every day to harvest His love. And the way the Bible teaches us that we harvest His love is by being grateful and thankful. That we recognize the many ways in which He expresses His love to us. And to be thankful for it. Actually, the only thing that can overcome the evil that's in your life right now is good. God is the source of everything that is good. By our harvesting the love of God, we're focusing on that which is good because God is good. And the power of God then is available to us to balance out all of the evil. And there's only one thing that can balance out that evil, and that is the goodness of God, the love of God. If you're not spending every day and enjoying it as a gift from God, you're missing out on the blessing of being a Christian. God's expressed His love to us in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that He has expressed His love to us is through relationships. God created us to love us and giving us relationships is an expression of His love. The the husband-wife relationship, the parent-child relationship, the brother and sister in Christ relationship. Those are expressions of God's love. This morning I'd like for us to focus on one of those relationships, and that is the parent-child relationship. Those of us who have children are blessed. We are privileged to experience the love of God in a very, very special way. It's important for us to be thankful for that. Being a parent is one of the most difficult things that we can do here on this earth. Actually, being a parent is some of the most important church work that we can do. It's actually commanded that we as parents, in order to be what God would have us to do, to be the best parents that we can be to our children. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. doesn't exist. The only perfect parent there is, is God. He's the perfect parent. But we as Christians, even though we're not perfect parents, should be striving to be perfect parents. God wants us to strive to be the best parents we can be. This morning, I'd like for us to notice some qualities that God gives us so 
some ideals that we can follow and aspire to, to be the loving parents that God wants us to be. I'd like for us to use the, the Word of God in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, to notice these qualities. This parable is a story, but oftentimes we call it the parable of the prodigal son. This morning I'd like for us to notice it, not it focusing on the sons, but necessarily I'd like for us to focus on the father, the parent. And notice the qualities that he had that made him a loving father. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, and he said, A certain man had two sons. This is Jesus telling the story. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. One quality of a a loving father that we see from this particular passage is that he lets his children go. He lets his children grow up. 
Our job as parents is to bring our children up. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, or chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In that passage, the idea of not provoking our children to wrath does not mean that we should never do anything to make our children angry. What he means is, is that we should never do anything inappropriately that makes our children angry. Sometimes doing the right thing is not going to make our children happy. God wants us to parent to please Him, not to please our children. Our goal is not to make our children happy through our parenting. Our goal is to make God happy through our parenting. And sometimes doing what God wants us to do, setting boundaries, disciplining, nurturing them, is not going to make them happy. but we have to live and parent to please God. So it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The one thing that he says here that we can do that will provoke our children to wrath that is inappropriate is if we fail to bring them up. The Greek word bring them up, that's translated bring them up in the King James Version, is ektrepho. It's made up of two Greek words. One is ek and the other is trepho. Ek is the word for out of, exit. Trepho is the Greek word for nurture or to nourish. So literally the idea of bringing up our children is to nurture them in such a way that they can one day leave home. Our goal is not to parent our children in a way that makes them weak and dependent on us. We seek as parents to nurture our children so that they can have the confidence and the boldness as a whole person to go out into the world confidently and boldly and face the evil of Satan while they live here on this earth. The only thing that can empower our children with such confidence is God. And so he says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Train them in the Lord. He's the one that gives us that power. So we as parents have the responsibility to let our children go. Let them go. We teach them what... We believe God wants them to do, but then we have to give them permission to develop their own faith, to develop their own beliefs. Especially during adolescence, it's the time of developing our own beliefs, our developing our own identity, our becoming autonomous and independent. Some parents are so scared that their children are going to do something wrong, they try to over-control them and say, no, you can't believe what you want to believe. You have to believe what I believe. And we don't give them permission to ask questions. We don't give them permission to wrestle with God, to develop their own belief based on the Word of God. We say, you just do it because I say to do it. But when we do that, we're just keeping them immature. Because what they develop then is a historical faith. It's our faith. And that's not going to get them through the difficulties of life. Because when they come to a difficult point in their life, 
their faith's not going to get, it, get them through it. Because when they say, they ask the question, so why am I doing this? Well, because mom and dad said to do it. Well, who are mom and dad? They're just imperfect people. But if we give our children permission and we encourage them to go to the Word of God and give them permission to wrestle with God and to wrestle with God's Word, to develop their own faith, their own belief, then when they come to those difficulties in life and they say, okay, so now why am I doing this? It's not because mom and dad taught me. It's because God wants me to do it. And that's why I'm going to keep on doing it. Their faith is in God. It's not in their parents. And that's what's so very important as we strive to empower our children to leave home and to go face Satan in the world because that's what it is. It's a battle with Satan. And it's only the power of God that will allow that to happen. But parents who want to control their children, manipulate their children, not allow their children to grow up, not allow their children to learn how to deal with the the hurts and the pains of life, Actually, when we overprotect our children, what we're, the message we're sending to them is that they're weak and they're incapable, and it actually adds to their self-esteem problem. And they feel vulnerable, they feel weak, they feel scared. And so a lot of kids who grow up like that don't believe they can deal with the realities of life, and so they try to, to deal with it the best way they can, and they begin taking drugs and anything else they can do to avoid the hurt and the pain and the reality of life. Why? Because they're weak. Because they don't feel like they're strong enough to face it and deal with it. Godly parents let their children go. God is the perfect parent. He lets us go. He says, here's the truth, but now you have to decide what you want to believe. And He lets them go. And sometimes our children... When we let them go, make bad choices. As parents, a lot of times we think that that means that we're bad, that we failed. That's not true. Because if we use that, then God's a failure. Because a lot of His children, when He lets us go, go into sin. Doesn't make us a bad parent. We're responsible to our children, we're not responsible for them. We do our job of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's all we can do. And then our children have to make their choices. What I find in my work as a, as a therapist, as a family therapist, is that children whose parents feel responsible for them, when they do go out in the world and live in sin, they want to come back and blame their parents for the consequences of that. It's their fault. The reason is, is that they've never taken responsibility for themselves because the parents always felt that responsibility. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ individually to give an account of what we believe. Parents let their children go. Another quality that's very interesting in this passage is not only does a loving parent let their children go, but a loving parent also lives in such a way that their children can depend on them and return to them. Here in our, in our story, in our parable, this son went out and, and he lived riotously. He slept with whores, had parties all the time. I mean, he was just a party animal. 
And he wasted all the money, all of his inheritance. But what's really awesome is that he had a parent that when he was out there, when he came to himself, he, he thought about his, his parent. He thought about his father. And who was his father? His father was this steady person, this person that he knew that he could count on, that was still going to be there, still going to be doing the right thing, somebody he could count on. As parents, one of the, the loving things that we can give to our children is just to be faithful ourselves. Sometimes whenever our children get grown and they leave home, then we say, all right, boy, we can go do whatever we want to now. And so we kind of tend to drift away from God, and we go in and we start living and fulfilling and doing things that we didn't do because the children were around. So we start drinking, and maybe we start smoking a little pot in the living room, and, and we may go out dancing, and we may go, you know, whoring around or doing whatever because, hey, the children aren't around anymore. We're not responsible for them. So let me just go out and just have a party myself. What's very, very important, one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our children is an example of lifelong faithfulness to God. Because we never stop parenting. Our children will continue to watch us in every stage of our life and will continue to follow us. And our children may wander away from God and they may go into the world, they may go into sin. But one of the most powerful things that we can give to those children is to remain faithful ourselves. So that one day, if they come to themselves, they can return and know that we will be there to help them and return to God. Remain faithful to the Lord ourselves. The final quality that I'd like for us to notice, we're going to put a lot into this quality but it's being the type of parent that our children can come and talk to. I know that sounds kind of corny and cliche-ish, but it's so very, very, very important. Somebody who can understand us. Somebody that we know that will be there for us. This parent that we find here was obviously the type of man that this son, when he came to himself, he knew he could go to his father and talk to him. The father never turned his back on his son. He never quit loving his son. In relationships, God never wants us to turn our back on anybody. Never. We never say to hell with you. I don't care about you anymore. Doesn't matter what that person's done to us. Our goal as a child of God is to do everything we can to relate to everybody in a way that's going to encourage them to get to heaven. That's our job. We never turn our back on anybody. God never turns His back on anybody. Never. But in relationships, there is such a thing as closeness and distance. God does distance Himself from us whenever we sin. Actually, we distance ourselves from Him. But He says, this is my house. I provide the privileges. I make the rules. You get to decide whether or not you're going to follow my rules or not. And if you're irresponsible and you choose not to follow my rules, then you lose the privilege of living in my home. He sets that boundary. We as parents have 
the responsibility as loving parents never to turn our back on our children, never to cut our children off. We never quit loving our children. God never quits loving us. Doesn't matter what they do, we still love them. But sometimes in loving them, we may have to put distance in the relationship because sometimes we can actually be too close to where we encourage their irresponsible behavior. This father did that. He didn't go running after his son. He allowed the son to face the consequences of his choices. But when the son repented, when the son changed, he said, yes, you can come back and you can live in my house if you're willing to abide by my rules and taking my privileges. Godly parents never turn their backs on their children. Godly parents let their children know that they will never turn their backs on them. And children can know that they will always be respected and loved by their parents. Along the same line, we're easily entreated. Our children know that they can come back to us because they know that we're going to listen to them. Easily entreated. Our Father is easily entreated, our Heavenly Father. He gives us permission to come and talk to Him anytime. And He upbraids not, the Bible says. The, the word upbraid means to make fun of. He never makes fun of us. He never criticizes or puts us down. He's always there to love us and to show respect to us. This young man knew that he could return to his father because he knew that his father was, was that type of person who was going to be compassionate. When this father saw his son coming, he ran and he had compassion on him and he kissed him and he forgave him. Another quality of a, that makes our children willing to come back is they know we're forgiving. We're not going to hold grudges. We're not going to be bitter. This morning, in your relationships, you may have cut off relationships with each other and your families. You may have turned your back on your parents or on your children. God never wants us to do that. This father was a peacemaker. The older son came back, he heard the music, he was really angry, he talked to his father, his father went out to him. But his father didn't say things negative to that child. One of the qualities of a loving parent is that we're not going to talk negatively to one child about another child. We're not going to talk to big sister about how, what negative qualities that the, the little one has or the big brother or the other brother about negative qualities in the other. We're not going to talk to the children about the negative qualities in, in the other children. This parent didn't do that. He focused on the positive. He says, this, my son was dead and now he is alive. You know, when that brother came to him, he could have, they could have just ripped him to shreds and he could have said, yeah, son, you're right. He is just a sorry, low down, no good for anything, but he didn't do that. He focused on the positives. He was the type of father that was fair and was trustworthy, was dependable. None of us are perfect parents. 
God gives us the ideal. What makes us a good parent is that we are striving, we're in the process of becoming like God in our parenting. God created us to love us. It's actually only when we fill up on His love that we can serve Him the way that He wants to be served. 1 Corinthians 13 says, you can give your body to be burned, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, but if you don't do it in love, it profits you nothing. Sometimes we try to serve God. Sometimes we try to parent. But we don't fill up on God's love first. And so I call it kind of like having the dry heaves. You can't give what you don't have. You can't parent. We can't parent our children in love until we first of all fill up on God's love first. Then we will be loving like God. We have to take time to fill up on His love. To let God love us as His children. Then we can love our children the way God loves us. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, please? Dear Father, it is truly a privilege to be gathered here this morning to worship You. And we pray that our worship has been pleasing and acceptable to You. You are the audience and we are the performers. We're not here to pleasure ourselves as we worship, but we're here to pleasure You. And we hope that You have been pleased with with what we are doing here today. Father, thank You for creating us to love us. Help us, Father, to take time every day to fill up on your love, to harvest your love, to be thankful and to be grateful. Give us the wisdom and the eyes, Father, to see the many ways in which you've expressed your love to us. We thank you especially for giving us relationships. And we know, Father, that as we strive to make our relationships like you would want them to be, that we can truly see your love better. We love you, and we thank you that we have the privilege of being your children and you're to be our parent. Father, help us as parents to have the courage to parent our children to please you and nobody else. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an opportunity now to be able to extend an invitation. This invitation is multiple. There may be someone here who has a need or a concern that you'd like to bring before the family here. This is an opportunity for you to do that. You may be here this morning and not be a Christian, may not be a child of God. God is the greatest parent. And you can be born again this morning. Born of water and of the Spirit. If you have heard the Word of God, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, you believe in the power that's in the blood of Jesus, you can be born again this morning by coming and being buried in baptism and arise to walk in a new life. You may be here this morning and you are someone who's been baptized. There is such a thing as a sin and a death. There is no once saved, always saved. We can actually, once we come in contact with the blood of Jesus, we can lose contact with it. If we turn against God, if we rebel against God, we lose contact with the blood of Jesus. If you've been rebelling against God, if you've been willfully and habitually, rebelliously going against what you know and understand that God wants you to do, 
then your soul is in danger of eternal damnation. Don't leave here this morning in that condition. There's no sense in it. We have a loving Father. He's compassionate. He's looking for you, just like in our parable. And He wants you to come home. Won't you come home to Him this morning as together we stand and as we sing?